This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Matt to Rumpets, Matt, with these back-to-back races, it sometimes feels like we don't get a chance to just sit and discuss some F1 news stories. But this weekend, we can sit down and talk about the world of F1 in a bit more depth. Yeah, this is this is true. But we do. We have the Rare Free Weekend. And I must comment on your amazingly, amazingly smooth and hairless nostrils. They are impressive. Why, thank you very much, Matt. I assumed you were joking when you said you were going to mention that. That is the kind of normal waffle we would reserve for Dad Hub or our patron-only waffle cast. But since you've mentioned it, yes, I now feel like the last 10 years of my life have been a complete waste of time after waxing my nostrils. Are you telling me you've never attempted at your senior age to wax your nostrils? No, I got one of them little trimmer deals. No, right there, you are just chasing the dragon, my friend. If you get the wax up there, it feels like you're scratching a 10-year itch, and I have I feel completely reborn. I feel like I've got a new nose, and I can't believe you've got me talking about this on a regular news show. We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed. With the kind permission of our better halves, we aim to bring you a race review and serious F1 news before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. We're also joined by Chris Stevens. Hey, Chris. Hi, Spanners. And Nick Numbers Alexander. Hey, Nick. Hello, hello. And Nick, you're not referred to as Numbers because of some special F1 statistical database in your mind. It's because you are uh, uh, an accountant and that's all you know is is Numbers. Oh, yes, that's true. But I also know that you can just call 
nicknames, whatever you like. So you were going to come up with something and I was going to have to live with it if it made any sense or not. That's how it works. Chris Stevens, PR man and sometime commentator. We are but six days away from you commentating on the seventh or eighth Missed Apex karting event down at Buckmore Park. Are you pumped? My feet have just started twitching when you mentioned that all Christian Horner style. I'm so excited. I've got some new toys for you to play with in the comms booth this time around. We're working on getting in-cart communications with with a driver. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. Like It's going to be like the, the whole live radio f- the thing they do on Formula E. Which, uh, which I think we can, we can make that work. So basically, you can, you can press a button and it will beep in the selected driver's ear and he'll know that he's then on air. You pull a fader up and you can chat to him. Of course, he can always tell you to bog off. He's busy. But um, I, one of our panels said, no one's going to want to talk while they're karting. And straight away, I was like, I would. I'd love to talk while karting. And also, Brad said he's got so much extra capacity. He's happy to talk around every single lap and every single corner. I think he underestimates the challenge that lies ahead of him now that he's weighted up. Oh, yes, we've got ballast up to 85 kilograms for Brad. And his nearest competitor from the last event, who's 70 kilograms, is also ballasting up. That's the next new toy we've got is a ballast vest. And I tried it on. It's jarringly heavy. 15 extra kilograms when you're not used to it feels really weird. But once you go in the sitting position, actually, it's completely fine. The other new toy I've got you is wireless intercoms so uh wireless monitors so we can send someone down to the pit lane and speak to people straight out of the the car uh, i know you're tired i know you've just been punted off how do you feel well bugger off no i can't wait for that that is that's something i was just really hoping for for this because it's just going to add that extra element and make the whole thing a more complete package that's what we do we refine Mm -hmm. so that's buckmore park september the 21st next saturday then we're going to be doing our race review live on the following sunday at about 6 p.m we are going to stream it live but do have some patience with us it's always more difficult on an outside broadcast and normally the edited audio is ready for about half past 10 at night uk time it might be a little bit later but it will be ready for your Monday morning commute. Uh, Let's talk F1. Let's talk about some big, dirty news. Big, dirty news. And for big, dirty news, we go to Matt Trumpets. Does my little bumper sound a bit thin today? Does it sound normal? Uh, It's always a little bit hard to tell because you don't have your original Uh, sound on Zoom, so it always sounds like that. Oh, well, well, we'll let people know. Let me know if our bumpers sound any different. You are always so great at leaving me negative feedback on YouTube. If you don't like it, you sure let me know. But I would like to take a second to, to say to the people who took the time uh, during the last few weeks just to email me and say that they enjoyed what we're doing. I just want to say a massive thank you. It makes a huge difference. And I always share that feedback with the panel. And a bit later on, I'll tell you about some people who have supported us directly in three really amazing and unexpected ways this week. But Matt, what's the big dirty news in F1? Well, this is sort of an old story that got recycled in the in the break here, but uh, there was a Gazetta article that said that Bonata confirmed that there was going to be qualifying changes going into next year, and they were going to scrap qualifying and have a mini race instead. And so the subject of format changes and qualifying for 2020 is back 
up in the news. And what's interesting about that is that usually when you talk to people about qualifying, they seem to think it's the most perfect thing ever until you get to last week's qualifying. And then suddenly there's room for improvement. So I'm curious, Nick, you're nodding your head there. What's it say? What do you think about these proposed changes to qualifying? Well, I was both nodding and shaking my head because I do think that qualifying is perfect and you don't need to do anything. But I also don't think that there was anything wrong with last weekend's qualifying. So it was perfect. It still is perfect. There's no reason to change anything. What say you to that? The the interesting thing about the the debate going on at the moment is that all these different teams are proposing all these different uh, ideas. Um, like a series of mini races or just one mini race or reverse grid races or partially reverse grid races like in <laughs> Formula 2. There's all these different um, ideas that are being thrown around and the teams are currently simulating uh, those potential options uh, and they want to use next year to do it because you know there are pretty much no regulation changes for next year. So you'll have a good like-for-like like comparison with the with the current cars we have. Um, but uh, I'm not I'm not entirely sold on the idea of shaking up the format. For me, other than maybe reducing a little bit of Friday practice running, the format is one of the best things about Formula One and one of the things that doesn't need changing, especially with the raft of changes already coming in for the for the cars in 2021. Uh, so, Matt, I know you listen to all the shows, not just the ones you're on. Uh, Chris Medland did that fantastic Q and A. Uh, read it. Uh, in association with r slash formula one on reddit uh, which went fantastically well Uh, but one of the things chris mentioned on there was that the teams were going to experiment with maybe the odd extra qualifying session the odd reverse race probably much in the same way w series uh has, has done it but i i'm now confused because people were reporting online they were saying no 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 it's been confirmed they're definitely going for this quality change and that's not quite true no, to the best of my knowledge, that's absolutely not true. Sort of the quote was old and it's still in the air and being discussed. But I've seen the uh, comment come up, why on earth would they talk about changing qualifying anyway? And I think there's a larger issue with competitiveness in Formula One, uh, particularly with the field spread between the manufacturers, minus Renault, of course, and the midfield that they're trying to address here. They're trying to make the weekends more competitive. Now we have been blessed the last six races, five races with amazingly competitive events, but we'll recall just prior to that F1 was dead forever because it was so boring and nobody was racing. It was just driving around conserving fuel. So I think that the people at the top of the food chain are looking for ways to keep things just random enough that we always have something to focus on during a race. We don't just have someone driving away at the front and that's that. Okay. So I'm, I am torn because I, I don't mind awfully when we have a series of what people call dull F1 races because twas ever thus a sign that I'm getting increasingly old. Oh, that was good enough in the olden days and it's good enough now. Uh, that said, I have really enjoyed the run of the last six or seven fantastic Grand Prix. However, if, if they'd only been half, I, I still would have been happy. That still would have been a good amount of exciting Grand Prix. There is a fundamental question here, Chris. If you look at our karting events, the heats, especially Buckmore last year, which uh, I think you were commentating at, the heats were absolutely 
incredible entertainment. There were carnage. There was cars, cart swapping places all the time. Uh, there was fights from lights to flag until the finals. Because in the heats, they weren't randomized, but everybody's grid position adds up into to the same total. So I might have started first, 15th and 8th for example. So that's how the grids work for the heat. And you had to fight for your final, final qualifying position, your final starting position on the grid. When we had an A final with the top 16 drivers lined up from fastest to slowest based on their performance during the day, the races were objectively less interesting. So we have a format in Formula One where we we deliberately want it to be lined up fastest to slowest, which makes for less exciting racing. Are we happy with that or not? I'm I'm happy with it because uh, for one, you know, let's say let's say our karting event or other series um, like like Formula E, for example, or Superbikes or, or other series that aren't you know top premier class world championship events prioritize entertainment, and so you can you can get away with sticking quick people at the back and it not seeming so gimmicky. I don't think it's the kind of right. thing that works in Formula One. Okay, but my 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 kind of my point that I was leading up to there, yeah. which I kind of lost track of because I started getting really excited about karting, is that <laughs> the, the, at least half of the races we've had in this ridiculous run of entertaining races has been exciting because a car has been out of place or because the guy on the grid stalled and it got mixed up. And in fact, the last two races have been interesting because uh, because Hamilton has been faster on race pace but not qualified on pole. Uh, Nick, I know you were trying to get in. Sorry, pal. Right, and we've... the not the last race, I guess, but two races before that you had Red Bulls in the back and having to work their way up the field as well. Um, so people complain that, um, we didn't get our second run in Monza in Q3 and we were deprived of the fastest ultimate lap that we could possibly have. Um, so if you're complaining about the quality format for that reason, switching to some sort of reverse grid race doesn't really solve your chief complaint. And then also, am I the only one thinking about how this would work at Monaco? I feel like you have a reverse grid race. Nobody can pass anybody in the reverse grid race. You line up for the race in reverse grid. Nobody can get by anybody. I think it would be an absolute shambles at certain tracks. So it all goes back to whether or not you have tracks where you can overtake. Well, to a certain extent, yes, it does. But for example, the format that I've seen discussed would be a reverse grid qualifying race. Um, and the finishing order at that race would be the race you actually started in. So it wouldn't just be straight up the fastest person at the back, the slowest person at the front. If you were faster, you would have a chance to move forward. And although Monaco is renowned for not being able to pass, uh, I seem to recall some of the super fast cars being at the back and still managing to make some forward progress. That nope squad in the chat room suggests the easy answer is one off or two off Q3s where they have a single lap shootout and you choose the order of going by reverse championship. This would give a benefit to the people who qualify, who were furthest down the championship as the track would theoretically, I suppose, continue to uh, evolve perhaps in their favor. And someone else has suggested that the Formula E qualifying by groups in Super Bowl also might lend itself. All of this discussion is being done not because qualifying isn't exciting as it is, all this discussion is being done basically because the spread between the midfield and the sharp end of the field is too big. And they're trying to figure out how to tweak it to make the racing better on the Sunday. That's my that's what I think is going on here. 
Right. So again, I'm definitely in the camp that I don't think we need to fix anything, um, but I, I would be open to a reverse grid race. I, I could be excited by that, but I just have so many questions about how specifically it would work, not just at specific tracks, but even if you line up in reverse grid order based on championship points, what do you do at the first race of the year when you have multiple rookies? Or what do you do in, uh, you know, when you have drivers that have the same number of points? I feel like you're going to have two Williams cars that each have zero points for quite a while. And then how do you decide how to line those up? I mean, do, do you flip a coin or I just, how would this even work um, before I can sign off on it? I suppose. I wonder Chris, if we might get a situation where next season they trial a few of these things at certain events and say, right, we go, right guys, just so you know, Interlagos is going to start in reverse championship order. So just be prepared for that. Same for everyone. Just just be prepared for that. And also, uh, fair warning, uh, oh, Hockenheim, that's a bad example. Uh, Zandervoort is going to be a reverse of the race order from before. Okay, so the main problem for me would be you would have to start giving points all the way down the grid. You'd have to change the point system if you were going to do that. But if they trial that, yeah, you would, because otherwise you would get a car that's in 11th place go, well, I may as well shuffle all the way to the back so I can start polling the next race. But you would, you might get to the, uh, a situation where they trial that and they go, actually, do you know what? Having it once or twice a year at certain events, that's kind of fine. We don't lose the core of the sport and we've just added an extra element. No, I, I, I disagree. I, I feel like the sporting element of Formula One like really needs to remain. And let's think like if they'd have had this for this year, for example, and we're trying to, to bridge the gap between the, the midfield teams and the top team, changing the format is not the way to go because what we would have got is just a series of very easy passes on cars that are two seconds a lap slower than the top guys. That's not the way to go. I feel like where we're already going with the 2021 regulations is already making a big step towards that. The format change is just kind of a hat on a hat. Well, you could do it as a way to spruce up the tracks that are really no longer suitable for Formula One. So Barcelona, Hungara Ring, Monaco, uh, Interlagos, Borderline, although I love Interlagos. You, you can't you can't say hungry because we had an amazing race. Yeah, this but year. that's because this is the magic season where everything's going really well for some reason. Uh, no, go on. Just, if the tracks are, are rubbish, don't go there. Go to better racetracks. <laughs> but you defend Monaco. I, yeah, I love Monaco. Okay, well, there are other ones. There are other ones I would so happily get rid of before Monaco. Abu Dhabi being the top of my list. You, you get rid of Abu Dhabi, but not the track yes. where you have to be beads on a string. Trumpets. Yeah, well, I just want to bring up the tangential but kind of important point that what we're hearing is that the teams are simulating this. Now, I'm not sure if anybody here remembers the last time they fiddled about with qualifying, and it was yeah, bad. well not <laughs> well received, although one saw the potential in it if one bothered to look. Um, but I think it's kind of exciting that the teams are beginning to model uh, and and do this before they make changes to anything. I think that's kind of a big step forward for the way things have been done in Formula One in general. And my thought is, if they're going to make a change, and if the teams have tested it, they simulated it, if they had their eSport drivers drive it to see what happens, well, if they're going to make a change, it's probably not going to be as bad as we all think it is. Excellent. Uh, let's wrap that up there, Matt. And I'm going to uh, ask you now about your your second news item because matt spends a lot of time putting these new shows together 
I, I bumped this down the order. You originally put this as the lead story, but I do feel we've spent a lot of time ragging on Sebastian Vettel, who's having a bad time at the moment. And just for Nick, and actually just in general, because you don't want to beat up on someone too much, we, we knocked this down the order. But interestingly, he has another big problem looming on the horizon this season. Yeah, so we were going to talk about his penalty points, where he's sort of reached, he's, what, three away from getting a race ban. And then I completely fell down a rabbit hole trying to chase down the actual uh, penalty points regulations and was unable to locate them, believe it or not. So if anybody knows where they are in the FAA's copious trove of documents, do feel free to uh, let us know. But in the meantime, it came out that he was three away, and then that immediately led to speculation as to who might drive for him if he didn't drive. And so I never really saw this story as being about Vettel being ragged on. Just sort of a curious, wow, what if someone gets banned? Who might drive for them? And because it's Ferrari, of course, we could argue endlessly about the best choice for that. Uh, actually, before we uh, explore that particular rule of who is going to, who would or could drive for them, uh, how how did he accumulate these points? And, and just remind, uh, remind us how the penalty points work. Uh, in fact, Nick, are you okay with that? Yeah, so I have the uh, I have the log here, the the police blotter of all of his penalty <laughs> points. So uh, back at the Circuit of the Americas, the United States last year, he got two points in FP one for failing to reduce his speed significantly under red flag. Of course, he picked up two points at Canada for uh, allegedly rejoining the track when it was not safe to do so. He caused a collision with Max Verstappen in Silverstone by rear-ending him and picked up two points. And of course. He's been given three points for uh, not allegedly, definitely rejoining the track when it was not safe to do so and hitting the pink car. So that is a total of, of nine. So, uh, yeah, so he's three, three points away from a race ban. Uh, Chris, I know you did some frantic research into what might happen if he was to face a race ban. As you pointed out, when Roman Grosjean got his three race ban, they were able to put a substitute in, a one race ban, sorry. Yeah, one race ban after uh, Spa in 2012 when he vaulted over the top of Alonso. And uh, if, if memory serves me correctly, that's the last time we've had a, a driver getting banned for a race. It's happened in Formula 2 uh, this year, but for Formula 1. Um, and, and, and not as a result of this penalty points system either. That was introduced uh, well after the Roman Grosjean um, situation. Um, so there are a, a lot of drivers that are kind of linked because Ferrari does have a vast array of simulator drivers or development drivers and you know, all sorts of people working in the factory in their spare time that all do all sorts of other things. I think the the most well-known ones are Brendan Hartley and Pascal Verline, uh, both of whom uh, are, are racing in Formula E um, very soon. So in terms of clashes, you know, that shouldn't be a problem. But um, those are probably the, the top two. I would say, if we were going to uh, be in, in this scenario. And are they definitely allowed to run two cars if Vettel's banned? There's no mention that they can't, which is as good as saying you can. Yeah, agreed. Um, In the live chat room, uh, because uh, those of you who listen on the podcast may be unaware, we do a YouTube version. You can see me in my virtual studio uh, producing the show out of our shed. And we have all our guests 
beautiful faces pop up as well. You can chat along live. So whenever we talk about the live chat room, uh, these are real people who are chatting alongside. During the race reviews, there's up to 600 people in there concurrently. And I think we have around 2,500 people drop in over the course of an hour and a half stream after a race day. It's a lot of fun being in there. Go to YouTube, search for Missed Apex Podcast. There's a, a chat room right there alongside the video. You can either pop that out on the desktop or on your phone. You can turn it into portrait mode. You know, the, the mode that idiots use for taking pictures. And you can have us at the top and you can have the chat going along at the bottom. Uh, Nutabar says, Vettel messes up every third race only. So guys, he's safe for at least the next two. And Othnell says that Rosberg offered his services. Ooh, that can't be true. That can't be true. I, I guess if you're looking at ex-Formula One drivers, I bet Rosberg might might jump in because there's no pressure. The pressure's off. He can always say, oh, it's a new car or whatever. Leclerc's been using it all season. And he would do it, I think, just uh, just for the attention because apparently he's got um, some kind of internet program. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure, though, he's promised his missus he'll never get in a, <laughs> in a race car again. <laughs> Ah, okay. Well, in that case, he's doomed. Um, but, uh, did you catch the stuff about Verstappen really kind of being triggered by Rosberg's criticism of him? What did you make of that, Chris? Um, I, I think it's quite funny because I do respect Nico Rosberg's opinion. Although I think sometimes with a lot of these drivers, especially when they've only recently retired, you can question their motives for saying certain things. And so whenever, whenever we do get a situation like this, it does make me sit and wonder, like, why would he say X or or Y, you know, um, as, as far as, as Max goes, he doesn't strike me as the kind of person who would do like Dutch TV coverage when he retires. Um, yeah, that's more of a Jensen Button yeah. kind of thing. Well, I, I do wonder about Rosberg's motivation because one of the digs that Verstappen stuck in there was that, oh, he can't get a show on TV. And he was kind of intermittently on Sky and didn't come across probably as well as he'd want to. Then got banned from the paddock for, for giving his photographer his ID to get in and to be able to go about his work and you just wonder oh has it has it gone wrong and is he does he have like surely he can go and do anything now couldn't he He could go and be an investment banker he could do absolutely nothing i'm sure um yeah so it is interesting him not only wanting to be have this media platform but also being controversial enough to annoy the current crop of drivers anyway sorry hey guys come on give me a break here it's been a year two and a half years since we've been able to have a decent rosberg rant uh drivers who would replace uh, uh sebastian vettel potentially uh how about alonso matt yeah no <laughs> Why? i don't i don't think anyone really wants him back including mclaren if i'm being honest nick go on then make a random suggestion uh, it's not really a random suggestion. I don't think it's very ideal, but I think you go with Brendan Hartley. He's one of your test drivers. He has the most recent F1 experience and just get in there for a race and, and get it done. I I think it has to be Raikkonen personally because he just drove the car last year. So he's a world champion. You know, he's only going to do so many bad things in a car. And I, I, of the available drivers, the only other one I might see would be Pascal Verline, but he he hasn't really spent a lot of time driving Formula One cars, so everyone else is affiliated with other manufacturers and would be unavailable. I would suggest 
like Buemi or Vern might also be a good shout. But but I see Chris has a different idea. Well, I just think I think we at this point we ought to forget the contracts and who's associated with who because Ferrari can get anyone they want, really. Like remember they nearly stuck Valentino Rossi in the car back in the day. Nick Alexander, I forgot that I was going to give you an opportunity to plug whose book is it anyway, which is your book podcast. Yes, whose book is it anyway, where the rules are made up and the points don't matter. It's actually called What's It About Podcast. And uh, it's been on a bit of a hiatus, as I mentioned in our Italian race review, because I had a big cross-country move. Uh, But we are currently reading Steve Amy, Miss Apex video editor, and I for getting back on the air soon hopefully but it's not time sensitive the ones you've recorded already so people can check it out by searching for i've instantly forgotten what's it about podcast no what's yes you can yes and you can find it by going to my twitter which is at nick alexander f1 good which is easy to remember we've ticked some boxes there three points to me nine penalty points to sebastian vettel so far other drivers with penalty points looming over their head remember i think it's it's not the last 12 months is it matt it sorry it is the last 12 months not this season yeah it, it's a year and i believe his first points start to roll off on the 19th of october so we have a couple of races left to go um next on the list I believe, is uh, our friend Lance Stroll from Canada. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Okay, let's move on from penalty points then, Matt. Uh, Williams, engine, something, deals, future. Yeah, well, uh, we we did hear from Williams that they have signed a deal through 2025, which seems like a science fiction year, if you're asking me, uh, (laughs) to continue using the Mercedes engine, which, as certain people have pointed out, may very well be the entirely best part of the whole car. Well, well, Chris, that was possibly inevitable. Yeah. I mean, where else are they going to go to, really? And uh, it it makes sense, you know, uh, 
Toto Wolf is still very, very close with the team, having you know personally been a, a partner of, um, of of the team, and uh, that's why they've had you know such a good relationship up until this point, and uh, it makes sense for that to um, continue. All right, then. Well, question for the panel: If 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 Williams do have such a a good engine, it is a good engine. I, I think a little bit has been a little bit too much has been made of Ferrari suddenly having this huge engine advantage. It's comparing apples and oranges, isn't it, Matt? Because you've got you've got Ferrari with a very different aero philosophy. I know you were tweeting about that earlier in the week. And you've got Mercedes who are bolting on tons of downforce. So, you know, how how much can we really tell about the difference between the engines at the moment and what are Williams playing at if they do have an engine that's on par with the best in the field and they are still so much slower even at the tracks where you didn't need tons of downforce you just needed to be slippery well i think in terms of what we can tell about engines it's always a bit of a limited bag because as you say running different arrow you will get different speeds you can look at where and how uh, one car is faster than the other and in what way I think it would hard, be hard to argue with the fact that Ferrari has a little bit more power. It would be hard to argue with the fact that Mercedes has a lot more efficiency. And if we're looking at Williams, well, now this is fascinating. They, they have made strides this year. Their developments have been improving the car, but they have started from so very, very far back that it's almost meaningless. It's going to take them multiple seasons to really begin mm. to put right that which has gone awry. Okay, so, I mean, I, I, perhaps we need a, a tech time for this, but it's it's not as simple as saying, well, because they haven't been able to bolt on the downforce, they can do um, a 2014 Williams impression where they had all the power, but they just stripped everything back. Here, there's something so fundamentally wrong that even if they can't get their downforce right in the in the corners they're still not being quick on the straights either. And Chris, wasn't there that real quote from uh, George Russell in Spa, which was in a sad voice, yeah, we're, we're, we're slow in the corners, but we're, we're also slow on, on the straights, so we can't really compete. Does that mean they've got a car that is both not aero-efficient and also draggy? That's horrible. Yeah, unfortunately, it's the kicker. The downforce they've put on is very dirty downforce and isn't you know good for for slipstream and straight streamlining. Um, and I think the um, the other thing you know, about 2014 Williams was it was such a different era. The cars were so much less aero dependent, and they were taking massive advantage of pretty much every team other than Mercedes not having a handle at all on the regulations for that season. Okay, so I mean, Matt. That makes me feel that it has to be a, a part, at least partly a financial decision or a driver, you know, a B team driver decision as much as Claire William protests that they are not a B team. Are they essentially in all but the, the strategy, in all but the pit wall, essentially a Mercedes B team? We're going that way. Someone's going to yell at me. I think we are. <laughs> I think Haas makes a good analog. I mean, Williams is its own team. They have their own proud history. But the fact of the matter is that any success they're going to have is going to very much depend on Mercedes as a power unit supplier. And they have suffered. And I think Chris has mentioned something about this later on in our notes. Uh, They have not been having the best financial time of it as of late, 
which does make it hard to spend loads and loads and loads of money and hire lots of people to fix all your arrow problems. Okay, before we get into the finances of Williams, uh, what do we think that this means for McLaren? Because McLaren were saying that they might switch or there was some hint that McLaren were going to go over to Mercedes engines. Uh, Chris? I never really bought that. And uh, I don't think Mercedes want to supply more than two teams, really. You know, they've had a, a great relationship with with Racing Point. Why lose that? And um, and they've had a, a great relationship with Williams through Toto Wolf. So, you know, to, to answer the B team question, I don't think it's so much a, you know, a B team, just that, oh, Toto, you know, one of your young drivers coming in, we'll give him a C if you can knock, uh, you know, five percent off the engine prices i right, see so you think it's williams driving a hard bargain uh but with yeah. with force force india with uh racing point for stroll toto wolf can pick up the phone in the middle of the race and get perez out of the way of lewis hamilton do you think he could do that with the williams well if there, if there is ever a scenario uh, I, th- I think the oh, car yeah. will do that itself <laughs> you know oh, yeah. let's imagine that scenario first where they're competing for the same bit of track okay you know what i mean let's just say they find themselves oddly competitive for a race and george russell is blocking lewis hamilton's way uh, ask george russell to get out of the way give up points for lewis hamilton coming through yes you think they yes, do yes i totally see that happening it's a lot of power. I think it's uh, the the lines are are definitely getting blurred uh, in the chat room. Drop Garage obviously is is tuning into the live stream for the first time. Says man, just listening to Trumpet's voice before watching the video had me thinking he was considerably more fat. <laughs> Apparently, Matt, you you have a a fat sounding voice. Oh, uh, that may or may not be a bad thing. Uh, I'll roll with that. I'll assume that's a compliment. Because wow. all, uh, I'm just going to go like all opera singer, you know, they have amazing voices. and No, well, in wow. real life, Matt is lithe like an elderly ninja. So, no, unfortunately, you're not fat. And hopefully I don't look too much fatter than I, than I sound on the video. Uh, Matt, uh, Williams posting financial losses, that doesn't come as a massive surprise. I think um, with the, the whole Paddy Lowe, leaving debacle with them not being able to turn up to testing uh, these losses that they're posting are for last season are they is this for last season and they were strenuously denying it was about money why they couldn't uh, turn up on time for testing others on this panel and other special guests we had on here strenuously insisted that that it was very much their opinion they were struggling for money they absolutely absolutely flatly denied that where and and now and and they did you know Claire Williams came out and flatly denied that it was anything to do with finances and yet now they're going yeah we are struggling financially so unless there's some way of resolving that that dissonance between those two statements that that does kind of hurt future credibility yeah it it does but i mean it's also it's been obvious i mean i would go all the way back to when they sold off their um uh, you know they made a lot of money uh, selling curs for buses. I don't know if you knew this or not. Oh yeah, the buses are um, dead nippy around here. And they developed a mechanical curs and they sold it to buses, and it was uh, tremendous for them. And they sold it. And I I thought it was odd at the time that they had done so, but I think that this um this the rapid change in regulations and where they found themselves in terms of the championship has has really done them in. 
It's been hard for them to find sponsors and it's going to be harder. And sponsors aren't paying now what they used to pay, at least if our Carter chats or anything to go by. So they're in a position where they either need the support of a manufacturer like Mercedes, which we see with Russell on board, or they're just, uh, I mean, they're, they're just, they're really going to be nowhere. Okay, so let me know if you think that I've been unfair on Williams there. Tell me if there is some way we can manage what seems to be a conflict between strenuously denying that the the testing and preseason troubles were anything to do with finances at all, uh, getting rid of Paddy Lowe, and then now this coming up and seeming to confirm that that was all correct. Although to a certain extent, obviously, I have sympathy for people not wanting to come out and say, yeah, we're broke. That's not why we've... That's not why we've turned up. Chris? So um, these numbers um, are, are something that I saw on on Autosport. And I think it must be said that even though I think they're still turning a, a small profit, that profit has reduced uh, drastically. And this is from January to June um, of this year. And it's all because, you know, they slipped from, what, 5th to 10th in the Constructors' Championship. That's a lot of money you've lost right there already. No Martini sponsorship. Your pay drivers, Stroll and Sorokin, gone. And so, yeah, they make a little bit more money with, uh, you know, uh, Rocket and um, Kubica's sponsor that I can't remember the name of, but it's nowhere near as much as what they used to make. And even these numbers are skewed somewhat because Williams Advanced Engineering made a made a massive profit in that same amount of time. So actually, the, the F1 team is doing uh, even worse than these numbers suggest. So Spanners is over there worrying that he's being too harsh or too cynical by suggesting that maybe they didn't go testing because they couldn't pay for said testing. And uh, I believe I was on the show agreeing uh, with that assessment at the same time or expressing that, that same opinion, but I'm going to, I'm going to go several steps harsher and, and just kind of ask the rhetorical question of what's the point. Uh, I guess I'm surprised, um, you know, such a long-term recommitment to be in formula one with such a just hopeless, uh, season. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to get some hate mail from the few. No, it's a hopeless. It is it's been a hopeless season. It's been terrible. So like, yeah. So um, I guess what's the hope? Uh, you hope that you get some some more expertise in in house, and you and you turn it around uh, on track, or you hoping for a more genuine, more um, generous revenue sharing agreement with the teams in the future that spreads more to the bottom, or I guess what's the end game besides uh, sadomasochism here? Well, we've we've hoped season after season that they were going to stop the rot. Whereas, really, apart from that blip in in 2014 at the beginning of the the new engine regulations, Chris, it's just gotten worse and worse. So, what's to assume we're actually at the bottom of the bell curve? There could be further back downness to go. Sorry, Nick, just jump in first. Yeah, don't ever think that it can't get worse. It can always get worse. No, it can. He's he, he's right, and I think they're they're really waiting on twenty twenty one because if the the way the finances are distributed drastically changes, they're going to be the biggest winners from that scenario. Okay, good. Uh, let me interrupt your regular scheduled programming to say a special thank you to a few individuals. Um, actually, firstly, thank you to a lot of you. Uh, we had a great response to our patron pitch last week. Patreon is a system by which you can support us with small monthly payments. And those added up together because we now have 
326 patrons or 326 you know members of our Mist Apex board all add together to make Mist Apex a viable thing that can keep running and can keep on trucking. Twice we've had to make very difficult decisions and because of the patrons, we've been able to do it. So we had a, a big sign up uh, last week for which I am really grateful. Everyone that comes through makes me believe we can keep this thing running. Uh, $1.99 a month unlocks the ad-free RSS feed. So you get given a private feed that only works while you're a patron you add that to your podcast player and you will get a feed that isn't ad supported it's patreon supported patron supported uh five dollars a month and more which uh, is by far the most popular tier uh, and will also chuck you into a private forum and as a thank you you'll get our patron only podcast added to that previously mentioned private rss feed which is where matt it would have been appropriate to talk about my nose hair waxing I feel like everybody should know about your uh, technological advances in personal grooming. I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know it was a thing that you could just shove wax up your nose, yank it out and pull out a ton of hair. But now, like, I want to stop everyone in the street. I'm like, bro, I know you don't know me. okay? but I'm here with a special message. You need to to wax your nostrils. It's like a new nose. Uh, Yeah. But anyway, so that's the kind of thing we talk about on the Patreon podcast. Um, This week, me, Matt and Chris, it was split about 50-50 between some real F1 debate where we feel we can, you know, drill down a little bit more and get even more antagonistic. Uh, with each other but also we explored a lot of chris's career uh, we talked a lot about our personal lives as well so it's, it's a completely different tone um so what i'm going to do is i'm going to unlock that on the patreon.com forward slash missed apex page i'm going to unlock that last post for the next few days so if you fancy just clicking on it checking it out see what we're doing uh, and it might be something you like but there are other ways to support us as well so i want to say a massive thank you to alistair who emailed me to say that he's in canada he enjoys the show and check this out. Nick can't benefit from it, but Matt and Chris can. He rung up Buckmore Park and asked them to put a slab of cash, 75 quid, and just said, please put that behind the bar for the Missed Apex event. And I was just uh, fantastically touched that he'd done that. Um, also, a big thank you to Richard, who uh, messaged me and suggested that he didn't want his donation to go on uh, on a beer for me or whiskey for Matt. And the only way he could be sure it wouldn't, he said, would amazon gift vouchers for equipment be any good and i was like yes absolutely a hundred percent and he very generously supplied supplied vouchers on amazon just a gift voucher but what it means is i can make guilt-free purchases without agonizing over them forever and then also a big thank you to patricia who straight up just went to the website and dropped a hundred dollars in our tip jar and that kind of thing blows me away every new piece of support makes me more confident of keeping Mist Apex going. Speaking of, we have patrons inquiring about the product you use. I sense a sponsorship <laughs> opportunity here. Well, look, I ain't giving away anything for free here. Okay, so if a, a nose wax company wants to send me free nose hair, you can be the official nose waxing product of Mist Apex podcast. This is all very silly. Matt, um, after people have uh, taken note of patreon.com forward slash missed apex uh, and considered supporting us uh, what can they hear coming up next in the news world of f1 where do you want to go bro i think we should talk about aldo costa okay i don't know what that is so i'm just going to click the button that puts your big face up on screen and let you talk oh that's chris's face oh that's nick well i'm bad at this go for it matt (laughs) 
Aldo Costa was the chief designer and the engineering director at Mercedes from 2013 until this year, although he'd moved into a consultancy position this year because he wanted to spend more time with his family in Italy. And as an ultimate result of that, he has now moved to Dallara, a name known primarily for building IndyCar chassis, uh, but also as they supply Haas with their parts and their chassis for Formula One. Now, this is kind of a big thing because he has been um, 13 World Constructors titles, 11 World Drivers titles he's been on board for. He moved from Ferrari to Mercedes, and now he's going to Dallara, where, in theory at least, that might be a little bit useful for Haas. Yeah, so I think it ultimately ends up, uh, comes down to where he ends up, you know, in at Dallara, what department, for example. Um, I, I somehow doubt that he'll be put on the F1 Huss side of things. I think it's a bit more likely that he'll go into designing, you know, spec chassis like for, for, for IndyCar or for Formula 2. And I think uh, as well, given the way that Mercedes so very well looks after its staff, uh, I can't see too many trade secrets being passed on uh, in, in, uh, into Tahas. I'm just going to take it off the rails a little bit. Brendan Bush in the chat room poses the, the very thought-provoking question. Do we think that Nico Rosberg also waxes his nose hairs? Uh that is a very good question. Uh, well, he's only like 30, what, 33 or something like that. He's not that old, is he? Nico Rosberg. Same age as Hamilton. I remember uh, distinctly being in town with Mrs. Spanners. I think I was about 33, 34. And she was like, I was like, where are we going? She's like, you'll see. And it was straight into Boots uh, where she ordered me to go and buy my first uh, nose hair clippers. So Nico is 34. So that could very well be what his missus is taking him to do this weekend. <laughs> He's definitely on the cusp there. Uh, okay, Matt. So has there, is there any more repercussions of, of this rather than just staffing? Or when, when are we going to first see something that we might go, oh, yeah, Trumpets told us all about that in 2019? Well, he starts in 2020 at Delara. So I don't think it would be until 21 that any he would have a lot to say because they're already designing the 2020 cars right now. But I think more importantly, you'll have to keep an eye on Mercedes and its pace of development and how that goes. Because my guess is that he's sort of the opposite number of Adrian Newey or has been in a lot of ways at Mercedes. And that might wind up being a problem down the road. Okay, so someone is challenging Chris Stevens in the chat room and that is completely allowed. In fact, I relish it. He said, uh, Amini Ezara, too many vowels, uh, says, is Chris serious? Delara does not design the parts, they produce them. What say you? Exactly the point I was about to make. Oh, That's okay. why Haas is not going to benefit from this. If if anything, you know, it will it will go into to, to making something completely different, not non F one related. Listed parts absolutely can be designed by somebody else, but you have to have sole possession of the intellectual property, and so Delara can only assist with the designing or provide that um, to Haas and no other Formula One team. I'm fairly sure that's what the regulation states. So, yes, I believe Haas does a lot of the designing, but you can you can hire someone to design your listed parts that have to be your own intellectual property, but they cannot work for any other Formula One team. 
when we get the 2021 regulations, I think it's time for us to have a big old deep dive into the philosophy of spec parts, customer teams, B teams, and all that kind of thing. Chris? At this rate, it will be December 31st, 2020. Yeah, I know. That's why I said when, when we get them. But that also raises sort of the interesting point. If they are going to move to more spec parts, Delara is one of the biggest producers in the world, if not the biggest. Having someone with that much Formula One experience in that senior role at Delara also makes it look like, you know, maybe we're thinking ahead a little bit once again. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think we've said Haas a lot of times. So I do... I do want to talk a little about rich energy. Nick, you're the most uh, social media aware person amongst us, which is it's a very low bar. But I'm I'm interested on your take of uh, of rich energy. Oh yeah, Chris actually works in PR, and I've completely disrespected him. Uh, but we'll go to Nick first. R- rich energy, it looks like are, are gone. Like, are we are we missing that debacle? Was it a good thing for F1 net? I I can kind of only throw my shoulders up and shrug. I really. Still don't know what rich energy is. I uh, haven't seen it for sale in any stores. Um, I lived in North Carolina where, you know, Haas F1 is headquartered and it's not a product that's available for sale there. I still don't understand how they were able to come up with the cash to, to get a sponsorship of that level in the first place or <laughs> somehow. I, I'm just confused. I don't, I guess I'm glad it's over. Um, I maybe all press is good press. Maybe we can ask Chris, um, but I don't see how it was a particularly good thing for anybody. Uh, so rich energy wasn't something you could buy off the shelf. It was the kind of thing that was supplied only for private functions that you charge a ridiculous amount of money for. And I guess that's the only way they made uh, money. But the way this partnership ended with immediate effect. So in Singapore, there will be no rich energy branding on the car, the teams, the trucks, the shirts, whatever. That smacks of unpaid bills to me. Like the money has not gone through to the Haas F1 team. So can you imagine if they'd have bought the remnant of the Force India team when it went into administration as supposedly they were going to do? Because I think we'd we'd have one less team on the grid. And I mean, they were talking to Williams as well. And yeah. I don't think Williams could have survived that kind of financial shock either. Uh, but it does feel like you've made a specific claim there. Are you claiming that Rich Energy made a profit from selling energy drinks? I doubt it. Oh, I, I have no idea. I, I, whatever works for their for their business model, but I just know it's not something you can buy off the shelf in ASDA. Is is there any other business that turns a profit by you not being able to buy their products or services? I mean, is there any other sort of bottled beverage or or processed food product that you can only buy for events? I mean, like there's catering, but that just doesn't seem like that was ever going to work. So before I get into that, I do want to point out there was a bank guarantee of some of this money. And I suspect that's why the partnership has ended is because that bank guarantee has probably run out. And as far as your point, Nick, which is, you know, perfectly logical, exactly what you would think someone would make. All I would have to do really is invite you to come to New York where we have these suspicious stores that never seem to sell any merchandise, yet they stay in business absolutely positively forever and somehow they make money and i don't know maybe that's too arcane a reference for most of our listeners 
So I'm just going to say two different words, money, and then followed by laundering, and not say that they're connected in any particular oh, way. Oh, wow. We whatsoever. need to, we need to guess. No, not connected at all, but you know, you can go do your own math after this. Missed Apex podcast makes no allegations of any uh, financial or other crimes of any company anywhere for any reason whatsoever. Uh, we also disavow Matt Trumpets as a really loose, tenuous connection to this project. He only comes on you know, every now and then, and we are more than willing to throw him under the bus. Yeah, a low-level coffee boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, guys, I tell you what, I tell you what, I tell you what. That's, uh, that's enough F1 news for now. We have got a race coming up. What? Oh, Matt's going to... Look, he's looking... He's looking mad. Are you telling me you want more new stuff? Go on. About tires. Tires? Yeah. After our great WhatsApp tire chat, how could you not at least mention we've seen the first 18-inch wheels oh, okay. with slightly larger tires, according to Bradley, in the wild. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of mad because... I, my new bumper got crashed on its debut. It's not just Nick making his debut today. My new uh, bumper from Liam Taylor also has made a debut. Not only did you stop me moving on to a completely different segment of the show, but you you wanted to do that uh, about tyres. And I would be spitting mad, except for as Super Chat commenter Mark Greenow has just said with a £2 donation. Thank you very much Mark. That definitely counts as a half in the hotel after the karting. Thank you. Um, as he points out 18 inch tyres please. I would be mad if it was not for how cool how in disproportionately cool the 18 inch tyres looked on that Renault car. I'm really, I'm pleased more than I should be but I'm pleased. Yeah, this is a surprise. I thought they would look horrible. If I'm being honest, I, I hated this whole thing. I love the wobbly tires, mostly because it makes the engineers and the aero people entirely nuts. They hate having to deal with it. But the fact of the matter is they don't look out of place, perhaps because modern cars are so ginormous compared to the cars of old. And they will have very interesting effect on suspension and how the engineers deal with uh, the tires and what effect that has on the era. So there's lots of brand new, exciting suspension and damping stuff that we're going to be able to talk about in, I will use the word excruciating, uh, in, in light of your sensibilities, detail. And um, just at that same week, uh, Esteban Ocon also did the final test of the 2020 tires, which apparently are going to stay pretty much exactly the same as they are this year because they've missed the deadline to to make any you know further changes but but pirelli exists only to assist ferrari am i right right so nick you have uh you have sparked off in my memory what i failed to do after last week which was we were going to do a a referendum on the missed apex twitter as as to whether you have permission to change your fandom from ferrari over to red bull so i'll set that up just after the show however I have a follow-up question. Is Sebastian Vettel part of that package? What do you mean? If he went to No, 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 no. If your fandom moves from Ferrari to Red Bull, does that mean you are abandoning Red 5 as your driver as well? Yeah, I think so. I think Max would have to be my driver. Okay. Okay. But I will will point out that I often get a lot of feedback from the shows uh, that I am very anti-Max and... (laughs) 
yeah. possibly uh, racist against Dutch people. And I don't yeah. understand uh, how yeah. that could be the case when I'm thinking about uh, making that my number one. Are we, um, we get accused of being anti-Max and being fiercely biased towards Max. And I think sometimes on a divisive issue, if you get accused of being biased on both sides, it means you're covering the, the whole spectrum. So I'm very happy with our general Verstappen chat. Except for Spa, when we were all Max fanboys for <laughs> not saying the start incident was his fault. Yeah, for, sorry, Max. Yeah, no, Max should have just uh, evaporated into thin air and Raikkonen can just do whatever he wants. Oh, there's a lot of Raikkonen fans triggered out there. Is there anything else you want to say about tyres, Matt? Any more erroneous news story on tyre squirt or the Y2K vortex? Well, it's going to be interesting uh, in our WhatsApp chat, uh, which Bradley Philpot, tire connoisseur, was definitely a part of. Yeah. Uh, he mentioned that there's a big effect on suspension because before the tires were very fat, so they compressed, they were very soft, and that acted as a lot of suspension for the Formula One car. That's now going to have to be adjusted. But he said that engineers like that better because now they can precisely tune that adjustment with exactly how stiff the dampers are, and they're not having to guess at the wobble that the tires will give. And also, with the shorter, I, I said thinner in the chat, but with the shorter sidewalls, there will be less flex, therefore there will be less tire squirt. And so you're assuming that your aero people are also going to be a bit of a fan of this. And don't forget, they're going to have covers too. Remember when we had covers in Formula One on the wheels? Those will be coming back with wheels this size. And uh, and no tire blankets either. Generate your own heat, F2 style. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think that's Pirelli's challenge will be to pre- create a compound that will have a working range with all these new recommendations that the, the teams can uh, get on with. Old chat room. I wasn't falling asleep. No, it was a it was a comedy bit. Honestly. I do regret that the live stream can see us. I think we should talk about the Singapore Grand Prix. So, because we're going to be watching the Singapore Grand Prix all together, and I don't know how that's going to work, watching it all together, concentrating on the details of the race, also being social. And my number one fear is that, actually, for me, watching Formula One, is a very private and aggressive experience. I am not a passive Formula One watcher. I am a jump up on the sofa. I am a, a and actually we warn the neighbours, you know, just a reminder, F1 is starting. No one is being murdered next door, although that is what a murderer would say. It's just the possibility that Hamilton and a Ferrari could be clashing together. I'm a bit worried, Chris, about people seeing the real me in front of a F1 race. I'm not worried about people seeing me. I'm very much like you. I jump out the chair, I clap, I scream, (laughs) I cheer. And I love that. For me, that is what uh, Formula One is about. It's about atmosphere. Like Bob says, Spanners goes full Tom Cruise on Oprah during F1 races. Oh, that is calm. That is calm. In fact, I... on. On one of the my visits to my wife's grandparents, who are elderly, my middle-aged wife's grandparents, was Spa 2014 when Rosberg and Hamilton touched. And it, I think it was Hamilton's wing came off. 
or no, it was Rosberg's wing came off, I think, anyway. And then and then Rosberg was punished by the team by having to pretend to go on at Monza. Oh no, I made a mistake and I've had to give up the place and it wasn't because I was ordered to at all. Um however I digress. But oh my gosh, was I yelling football style at the TV and I, I properly shocked poor Mrs. Spanner's uh, grandparents. Um yeah, so Tom Cruise, that ain't nothing, Chris. But I do fear as well the review will have a slightly different tone because we might not be as detailed if we ever are. Oh, I think we'll be fine. I think we'll do just fine because I think if any of us are going to pay attention and maybe just watch very calmly, it's going to be it's going to be trumpets. Yeah, we just do what we do every race. Matt pays attention, writes a race report, and we all read that. I, I don't see what could go wrong, Matt. It's all on you still. Yeah, as long as I can get my Formula One app to work so I have decent lap times, I'm bringing my computer. And as I said, we should have access to a little more information than just the basic broadcast. But uh, I I will not have my usual screen real estate to work with. So I I don't know. And timing, (laughs) like when is this thing going to happen? Oh, my gosh. Oh, right. So we're going to we're going to watch the race and we've got to be out of there by seven. The race should end at about 4 p.m. because it's a long one, isn't it, Singapore? So it might end by 4 p.m. UK time. Uh, Basically, we're then going to just start half an hour after the race and then hopefully be finished by seven. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, Barb says that maybe we will have a patron only drunk review of the race. Uh, well, we could have we could have a shandy depending on our plans, because I think we're hanging around for the Monday as well, which we'll talk about midweek on the Patreon podcast. Matt and I might be getting in some race cars, but normally uh, we use the F1 timing app. And by we, I mean my much brighter than me nine year old follows all the timings for me now. And he keeps me informed. He's like my own little commentator, keeps me informed of the gaps that are closing. Oh, dad, you know, keep an eye out on the gap uh, with Verstappen. He's closed up five seconds to the lead, to the lead even though he's in 10th or whatever. The, the, the reason I'm not sad about missing this race with my son, he said, oh, you're going to be at the karting. We're not going to get to watch it together. And I went, look, if there's any race you want to watch the highlights of and not watch it live... This could be it, Chris. It doesn't normally deliver a thrilling midsection of the race. Yeah, I'm a little worried that our stunning run of six mm. amazing races uh, is, is not going to be extended to seven. Uh, I could be proven wrong, and I hope I am. Uh, but uh, I can't uh, envisage two different scenarios what we got last year, which is where they trundled round at painstakingly slow speeds just because they didn't want to take anything out the tires and despite going five six seconds a lap slower than you could do you can't really overtake around singapore i'm sorry last year was the year of perez gone wild how did you not find that exciting he was driving into everybody Oh, I, I did. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Didn't we conclusively conclude in um our section called Whose fault is it? Didn't we conclusively prove that Perez definitely wasn't at fault for some reason? I'm sure we did. I'm sure that's how it went down. Hashtag not bias. But generally... Yes, well, you have... Mm. Yeah, well, I was going to say, generally, you know, those clashes aside, 2017 was obviously exciting for those reasons. Uh, Chris, Singapore, it really does suffer from that, um, from that kind of Monaco scenario where you can have a, a, a severely slower car and hold someone up. And as we've seen in, in this era of tires, yeah, they're just going to go, they're going to go for the one stop. If you're brave and decide to go for the more aggressive two stop, you might be able to pull off one great overtake, maybe two, 
but you're you're not going to fight your way up the pack by doing that. So this track just doesn't reward. I don't want to do it down too much. We might, might be an absolute thriller, but it doesn't reward aggressive, great sporting races. Yeah, I think if there is going to be excitement, it, it might be towards the the end of the race if somebody decides to do or dare on on strategy. The only problem is is that it's usually it, it's nearly a two hour long race. It's the longest race of the season. Uh, and is the most physical. So I think the thing we're going to be looking out for more is people making mistakes, which is easy to do around Singapore, not just because it's a street circuit, but it is the most physically demanding venue that we go to all year. Okay. So I'm kind of surprised about Chris's opinions about Singapore, given his uh, long-standing opinions about Monaco. So I love Singapore. I think it's a, a beautiful circuit. I love the night race aspect of it. I love the onboards, watching the cars go around the the very tight corners under the stadium section, all of that. So um, don't you think you're being a little bit hypocritical there? And I'm not going to let you answer. We're just going to say that it's yes. And I have a question for Matt. So I see that the tires... <laughs> that they're bringing are the C3, the C4, and the C5. Now, they've changed the tire nomenclature and colors uh, to be more transparent, but what's actually happened is now that I'm more confused than I would have been if they would have just left it the same. Is the C3 to C5 the hard or the soft end of the range? That would be the soft end of the range, and the easy way to know that is the hard tire is 3 and the soft tire is 5. So, Oh, good. We're back on tires. Yeah. Um, Great. That and, doesn't and make it easy. So yeah, the the C1 is the hardest tire, C5 is the softest tire. So this mirrors the selection that we had for last year, but now they're not calling it uh, ultra soft and hyper soft. Now they're calling it four and five. Right, and okay, it's still, so gonna... it, yeah, but it will still be a one-stopper. It will still be too hard for the track. Yeah, could they not have selected harder tires to maybe alleviate the, the problem of people trying to make them last? Uh, well, I mean, the tire construction is different. The tread depth is different. So it's possible. I mean, I will just put it this way. We just saw Monza, which admittedly is not a surface that degrades the tires hugely. How many laps was Hamilton uh, within DRS yeah, loads, of yeah. Leclerc? I mm. mean, like quite a lot. And we've not seen that happen before. So that's partially probably the FIA's aerodynamic changes at work, but also Pirelli's changes at work as well. Oh, hang on. Let me just clarify Nick's point. Nick, are you are you saying that instead of going really soft in the hopes that the tire wear will make the pit stops and the strategy more interesting, you're saying accept, accept that uh, that's not going to happen. It's going to be a one-stopper anyway. So make the tires as hard as possible so at least they're pushing the whole race. Is that what you're you're driving at? Yeah. I mean, I think you could go either way. You could make them bubble gum so that they completely degrade and you have to do two stops. Or if they're only going to do one stop, at least give them the life so that they can push for longer. No, I think the one thing I'm really going to be looking uh, forward to seeing is how off Ferrari are going to be uh, from, from say pole position, for example, because I do think we're looking at a Mercedes Red Bull battle here. Uh, but also, who in the midfield is going to um, surprise? Like, Renault had a really great race at Monza. I don't think they're going to continue that over this weekend. Interesting. I was sat with a, a friend of mine uh, who is an F1 fan, but not someone who, like, dives into a huge amount of detail. He's just, he just tunes in on the Sunday, enjoys it as a spectacle, and and then and then doesn't think about it again until the next race. And he he it was interesting to hear him go, hey, 
Ferrari really, you know, they've really turned it around. Uh, Hamilton could be in a bit of trouble here. But to the casual observer, it looks like actually they've come back from summer and Ferrari are now on a bit of a run. Yeah, so I've seen all these comments in these Facebook groups saying that, oh, Ferrari have really, you know, turned their season around. They have not. On the two circuits that are supposed to be the best for them, they won those races by less than a second. Just, yeah. That does not bode well for what is the highest downforce circuit of the season. Okay, so let's talk about last year where uh, Hamilton had his mega lap and put it on pole. Oh, yeah, yeah. But um, Vettel said at the time that they didn't have their procedures together for qualifying, but that they felt that they had the honest pace in the car to put it on pole. And the thing is, if you look at how much Ferrari put it on pole by relative to Mercedes, and if you look at, I still say, the niggling reliability concerns that Mercedes have, I've not heard any other word as to the reason why Perez's engine went out. But one assumes they're still trying to sort this out mm. that started up at Spa with the last spec engine. All right. So if we're at Singapore and Ferrari does get on pole, well, now now Mercedes will have to pass him on a track where it's very, very difficult. But I think who we really need to look at is Max Verstappen. Last year, Red Bull should have had pole if they hadn't had problems with their engine, Mesfire problems they probably would have had pole because he, he made a huge leap. This is another one. If Honda have sorted out their issues with his driving style, which I think is mainly a software issue for them, then um, then I would absolutely be looking at him to maybe steal a pole position here. So what you're saying is there's probably five drivers who could be on pole and it's going to be difficult to overtake. And so, no, that's not what you're saying. I'm saying I think I think Red Bull this year could absolutely put it on pole with Verstappen. But what I'm saying is if something happens and Ferrari does wind up with pole, it might not be a foregone conclusion that Mercedes can easily get around them, even with the car the way it is right now. The way that'll happen is if Leclerc and Vettel back everyone up Monza style and don't let Hamilton, Bottas and, and Verstappen get a lap in because I will be staggered if they're near uh, the front. Uh, I think we we shouldn't discredit uh, Alex Albon as well because this will be the first race where supposedly neither of them will have engine penalties and we'll get a fair fight. You know that was exactly one of the things I was really looking forward to seeing the two of them at the same place and getting an honest comparison. I have to say my personal Albon v Gasly score is definitely leaning two nil for Albon right now. I do want to throw one other thing out about qualifying though. The in Monza everybody was all about the toe, but Last year, the turbulent air because of the walls was almost 13 seconds. So we're going to see a very different kind of calculus for the cars trying to get out. They're going to want a lap with nobody in front of them. This time around, it's going to be a completely different race inside the pit lane as to when to put your car out. Okay, so let's just talk about this, you know, uh, Ferrari qualifying. So they, they won in Monza and Spa because they were able to to secure pole position. Had they not been on pole, it's hard to imagine that Hamilton wouldn't have disappeared off. Are you, are you disagreeing with that? Come on, Chris. No, no, I, I will disagree with that um, because I think it would have been all too easy, especially uh, at Monza, for them to just slipstream straight past them on like the second lap or something. You see, Leclerc, even though he got a much worse start than Lewis, as soon as they were getting up to speed, was pulling away from him again because of the better top-end speed. 
Uh, well, okay. Well, I agree to disagree. But I, I think that if you'd have done, say, if you'd have put the, the cars into ghost mode, then put it that way. If you'd have put it so that, you know, in a computer game where there was non-contact, right, then the the Mercedes could have completed a race distance of Spa and Monza quicker than a Ferrari could have completed the race distance of Spa and Monza, the ability to slipstream past and hold the lead notwithstanding. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm not okay. saying that the Mercedes wasn't the better car, but yeah. so, Fer- Ferrari didn't need pole for that. Okay, so they needed an early uh, track advantage, and they needed track position. Um, Singapore isn't a track where you're going to be rewarded for having low drag, high speed. So I don't see how, and the slipstream effect isn't going to help here. As Matt said, the wash off the walls is horrendous. I heard eight seconds. You're saying 13 seconds, which is even worse, as in that's when you feel the lack of downforce. However, I, I just can't see Ferrari. If Ferrari have a sniff of pole this weekend, it means they've done something absolutely radical. All things being equal, Matt, I don't see them being in the fight. Yeah, I do. I put that out there because it is a possibility because things go wrong in qualifying. If they are on pole, it might be hard for anyone to get around them because the performance differential is not that high. Realistically, I would say Verstappen in the Red Bull was likely the biggest competitor that Mercedes will face this weekend, this upcoming weekend. Excellent. Thank you very much for joining us for this F1 news show and Singapore race review preview. Just a reminder, things are going to be a little bit different next weekend. We're going to do a live stream around half past four, five o'clock, and then uh, we're going to have the audio version out a little bit later, perhaps in the early hours of the morning, but it will be ready for your Monday morning commute. We're going to be doing it live from Buckmore Park after the the day after we've done our 12 race Mist Apex heat sprint competition. We're absolutely buzzed for it. We might do a Patreon podcast as well at some point midweek this week if Matt can fit it in before flying over from America land to the UK. Uh, just a reminder, you can support us by going to patreon.com forward slash Mist Apex. We've unlocked the latest version of our patron Wafflecast, so you can get a taste of what we're doing, or you can just unlock an ad-free feed for $1.99 if you support us for $5 a month. Uh, We'll also add you to a private chat forum, and you'll get access to the extra patron content we do. We don't withhold any content, so we don't go, ah, here's half the race review if you want to know what we thought of Perez and Verstappen uh, colliding. Tune in for the patron show. We don't do any of that. It's just a completely different tone, a little bit of a deeper dive. Uh, Chris Stevens, you can be found on Twitter uh, at Chris on Racing. Uh, you still write the odd thing. I do. Yes, um, you'll find most of my ramblings on on that Twitter, um, especially during an F1 weekend where I just put out a random thought that I've had. And you'll find Matt at MattPT55. And because he's a traitorous betraying git you'll find his race reviews over at summersf1.co.uk too yeah not that i didn't give you the opportunity i don't remember that you keep saying that i don't remember that there has to be a tech time coming soon matthew summerfield summers f1 is coming to the karting event as well i don't know he must be staying over can we persuade him to come and join us for the Sunday race review? Maybe we can. That would be a treat indeed. And you can find Nick at places at Nick Alexander F1 on Twitter. Fantastic guys. Uh, do bear with us. If next weekend 
doesn't run as smooth as our normal broadcasts, not that they're particularly smooth. Uh, however, whenever you next see us, until then, be brave, because wounds heal, chicks dig scars, but glory lasts forever. This was Missed Apex. Ah, oh, my nose is so itchy. Hey, you should wax your nose with Mist Apex nasal wax. Oh, but I, I can't afford it. But with this monthly subscription, uh, you can simply go to mistapexpodcast.com forward slash nose wax. And with a, a small payment, you can have hairless nostrils as well. And you can do things like remember segments that were meant to be included in the regular show, like comment of the week. I remember it, and it wasn't because Nick did a, a C sign with his hands. That was always the plan. I planned to do it here. Matt, the chat room has been fantastic, especially for a non-race review show. 350 people at a time tuned in to our live chat, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, give us a selection of some of the best comments, and perhaps a winner. Starting with Brian H., Trumpet's hair game on point per usual. Gorgeous. As you know, absolutely gorgeous. Positive light will always get your name mentioned. Here at the end, we have uh, Mark Greenhow. There's a reason Mario Kart has interesting races, but I don't think making the drivers want to actually kill each other like I wanted to kill my little brother is the best idea. Uh, No, and yes, obviously that is an extreme, but that doesn't mean we have to stay all the way at the other end as well. I, I, I am increasingly finding myself accidentally in the purest camp. I I never meant to be that. I am open to changes. Um, But I also, I don't want to get stuck in this rut of you can't change anything. You you must accept direness. I just disagreed that we had reached that dire point. And I am thrilled to at least temporarily over the last six races have been proved correct. However, if they want to make changes next season, if they want to do reversey things, if they want to try stuff out, I am bang up for seeing what they come up with because if it's bad they'll drop it you saw what they did with that uh, qualifying thing where they had the elimination they tried it they didn't like it they dropped it what's the problem there's no problem with that let's try a thing if it's not too intrusive what's the worst that could happen matt uh, the worst that could happen is we'd have something to complain about for an entire show which is actually delightful so there you go in the chat room uh new bear says if trumpets gets a motorhead beard uh What's a motorhead beard? Is that like a like a biker nice. beard? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then he, and and if he can pay him beer and whiskey, he'll become a patron. Get on it, Matt. I, I'm working on that. Yeah, I get perilously close pretty often, believe it or not. Uh, our nose hair waxing segment turned out to be very popular with the chat room. Pawnstar UK says he waxes everything except lyrical. Yep. Well, I we were discussing. I have to admit, I am now. Full body wax curious, all right? Knowing what miracles it's achieved for my nostrils, I'm now thinking, where else could do with a bit of waxing? And yes, Mark Greenow, it does have ergonomically weighted handles, the Mist Apex waxing kit, yes. Indeed, Bruce Wayne, along the same lines, suggests a petition to change the name of this podcast to Mist A-Wax. Nice. All right, good. Yeah, we're getting there. Let's get this branding deal tied up. Um, uh, he also suggested new bumper crash as fast as Vettel, carrying on our theme of not entirely making fun of Vettel. But well, there I we go. I, that means I can't edit out you crashing my brand new bumper. Fine. Okay. Go on. 
I, I surely didn't include it only for that purpose. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I think the winner has to be Matthias Hockman. C5 is the softest tire because it makes it easy to add softer tires next year and not shuffle all the numbers again. I really thought I understood the tire things and now I think I'm more confused than ever. But I think, I think it doesn't matter. I think I don't have to understand because they just give me soft, medium and hard. And I think that was the point of why they did that. And, and it's worked. And if, if you really care, you can listen to Matt Trumpets. If like me, you never listen to Matt Trumpets, you can just look uh, at soft, medium and hard. Uh, what was the comment again? C5 is the softest tire because it makes it easy to add softer tires next year and not shuffle all the numbers again. Congratulations to Matthias Hockman. Comment of the week. Comment of the week. Sung and accompanied by Mrs. Spanners, who will be playing with you after the karting match. I've not confirmed that, but are you bringing your trumpet? Are you going to uh, uh, re- redo your your fantastic duo with my wife uh, to entertain us? Absolutely. Why would I not? Good. Uh, the vocal cords warmed up. The trumpet is in the plane. It should be a fantastic night. All right, we can we can go now. We can go. I don't have to play a thing. I don't have to press any more buttons. Oh, oh no. that reminds me. I got a great email. I or was it an email? No, it was a Facebook comment. And it was somebody saying, does anybody else, when they see something that goes wrong, imagine a child's voice saying, oh, no, you missed the apron. And apparently loads of you do. So it's fantastic. And just so you know, that is my son, Treeface. He is absolutely thrilled that there's people out there who are hearing his voice doing that when they see something go wrong. All right. Good night, guys. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.